0: You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com.
1: Welcome to PetLife Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. Thanks for tuning us in. I'm your host, Donna Haleson, and in this episode, our focus will be on the Positive Partners Prison Program, which is operated under the umbrella of Monty's Home, a North Carolina-based organization that was inspired into being by the love and generous spirit of Monty, a dearly loved therapy dog who brought sunshine into the lives of many. This precious golden retriever spent hours each week visiting nursing homes and hospitals in southeastern North Carolina. And his remarkable ability to induce joy in human hearts eventually brought him to the attention of the nation. The love of his human companion, Barb Rab, led her to create an organization in his memory. And today, through Monty's home, sunshine continues to be shed on dogs and human beings through efforts like the Positive Partners prison program. In our time together, we'll hear about Monty, Monty's home, Positive Partners, and more all this when we return from these messages so please sit stay we'll be right back after this pause
2: sit stay we'll be right back after a short pause Let's talk pets on petliferadio.com.
1: We're back, and this is your host, Donna Haleson. You're listening to Pet Life Radio's On the Road with Mac and Molly. Joining us now is Barb Rabb, founder and president of Monty's Home. Welcome, Barb. Hi, thank you for inviting me, Donna. Well, so glad to have this opportunity to chat. Well, though most of the focus for today's program will be on positive partners, and we might note here that uh, that's spelled with a -A P-A-W at the beginning of the word, I would like to begin our conversation with some history. Barb, would you please tell us about Monty, what work you did with him, what he meant to you and to others, and how he was able to brighten the lives of so many?
3: Well, Monty was a golden retriever and came into my life in 1999 as a puppy from Vermont. As a puppy, we entered the puppy classes, and that started my dog training career. We went from puppy to beginner and then into competition obedience, which we had many trials, and he, he got many titles and blue ribbons, and and uh, it started me in my dog training and started a facility where I would continue to this day in, in with my prison program and et cetera. Um, Monty was also um, a registered therapy dog. That came about when we were visiting my father in hospice. And the doctor came over and asked me if I would bring my dog over to visit another patient. Um, not knowing what to expect, we walked in the room together. And Monty walked over to the lady's bed and put his head on her bed and just left it there. She picked up her hand and I petted his head and smiled, and I thought, what is, what is going on here? This is really amazing. So I looked into therapy dogs and their work, and I got Monty certified to be a therapy dog. I was so impressed with the work that he was doing in the nursing homes and the schools and hospitals and even hospice that I became an evaluator for one of the therapy dog programs so that I could certify other teens to do this type of work. The residents would get so excited, we'd walk in the door every Monday, and he'd have gifts for people, and he'd be carrying a basket at Easter or whatever, and they'd all be waiting there. They started calling it Monty Mondays, and we did this for five years until Monty got ill. He was also a canine actor. We went and filmed um, commercials, and magazine things. He was a PR dog for the local rescues. We would be at every event, and Monty would entertain the children, and he'd take dollars for her donations and drop them in baskets, and he was all around. Everyone knew Monty, and everyone loved him. In 2005, at just six years old, Monty was diagnosed with a malignant heart tumor. He was given three months to live by the specialist. He had some surgery that took the sack off from around his heart, so that it wouldn't collect fluid and keep him more comfortable and they told me there was nothing that could be done because of the location of the tumor I didn't accept that and I started looking into alternative treatments for Monty um, uh, holistic supplements and immune support supplements and things that the traditional medicine wouldn't say would help well Monty lived for 18 months so during that time Caring for him. I had lots of friends in the dog community because of our work together for the past six years. And there was a lot of support while I was going through this grief and dealing with Monty's uh, illness and, and his eventual death. But upon his death, I decided to start an organization to help people that were going through this. There just was no such thing. You know, my dog has been diagnosed. What do I do? Even just a, a sympathetic ear, or if nothing else. So the creation of Monty's home The talk started right after his death, and we received our 501c3 the next year. And our first program was a program to help people with this type of grief and what they were going through with losing their dog and and just just some kind of support. Once that was in place, it seemed like I was supposed to take a different path. It, It seemed like I was supposed to do something different. Yes, I'm helping people while they're losing their pet, but there was supposed to be more help, and... Being a dog trainer at that time and working a lot, I was looking at the overpopulation problem, how, you know, so many dogs are being euthanized in this country, wonderful pets, just because no one wants them. So as a dog trainer, I was thinking maybe, you know, we could train the dogs in the shelter and then maybe somebody would want to adopt them if they were trained. And with that, myself and another group of trainers, that began the next program, the Positive Partners Prison Program. And you began that in what year? We started researching and looking into the prisons that would take us and that type of stuff in two thousand and seven. That was after we had our 501 C3 and we were an established nonprofit. So uh, there were five dog trainers and myself, and we decided to build a whole program built around training dogs in a positive manner, positive meaning, positive reinforcement, that they can't use any force, punishment, um, nothing like that. It had to be done with all positive because they were going to be partners in me and the dog. So that's how the name came about anyway. So we built the kennels in two thousand and eight and we pulled our first dogs for the program in September of two thousand and eight. So the kennels were built for five dogs so we could pull five at once from the from the shelter.
1: Now, how do you choose the dogs? And when you're saying that the kennels were built, are you saying the kennels were built in the prison facility? And, and if that's what you're referring to there, what prison were you, are you talking about?
3: Well, the prison is right here in uh, Pender County. So it's the Pender County Correctional Institution it was our first prison. And yes, the kennels are built in the institution for the dogs to be housed. It's a dorm-based facility so it's not like there's a cell where the dog can sleep it's all dormitory so we felt that a kennel situation would be better so we built kennels and actually the state the state helped us with the kennels and then when they were built in 2008 we pulled our first five dogs we go to the shelter the local shelter here which is a kill shelter as all of them are and we choose our dogs first by temperament temperament is our basic thing that we look for we want a sociable dog we want a dog that's going to fit into a household so we have a a 19 step process that was devised by a lady in new york named sue sternberg and it goes through testing the dog are they a sociable dog do they want to be around people are we able to handle them? We examine their teeth, we handle their muzzles, we you know their tails, their paws, things that dogs don't like touch. We do that at the shelter because if they're going to react, we want them to happen at the shelter with us, not in a home later on with a child. And we also test for aggression issues is the dog guarding his food, does he guard toys, does he guard rawhide? We also test a fake doll and a fake toddler and an infant to make sure that they're okay with children. and children on them and hugging them and pulling their tails and that type of stuff. And then we test them with a little infant doll that cries, and it kind of gives us a clue if the dog's been in a home before. If they react to the baby crying, you kind of figure they must have been in a home at some point in their lives, because most of the shelter dogs out here in the rural is just strays. They pick them up running loose, and you know, you have no history whatsoever. So we do the testing to make sure we have a nice, sociable dog. We try to get, we don't look at the looks of the dog. You know, if it's a real cute little Benji dog, somebody's going to walk in and adopt that. We look for the dogs that most people won't want. Black dogs, number one. People will walk right by a black dog most of the time. And hound dogs. We're we're out in, like say, rural Pender County and hunt, dogs are used for hunting. And a lot of times they stray off, or if they don't hunt the way the hunters want them to, they just let them go. So a lot of hound dogs and black dogs we we try to pick out, if the temperament is correct. And that's that's Mm -hmm. basically how we pick the dogs. And like I said, we take five at a time, and our five dogs, we when we name them, they have a theme. Like we've had everything from The Wizard of Oz with Dorothy and... Toto to the last one of the groups in Christmas was Santa's reindeer. So we had Donner and Blitzen and Comet. and (laughs) So it kind of makes it a little bit more fun at the shelter when we have to leave with only five dogs.
1: One thing I wanted to go back to, you mentioned that you are pulling the dogs from kill shelters. Mm -hmm. Do you have any statistics on the percentage of dogs that enter shelters in North Carolina that are placed in homes and uh, what percentage are euthanized?
3: Well, I don't have North Carolina's percentage. I know the county that I just spoke in a little while ago, their dog population was over 50% was euthanized. In one one county in North Carolina, the kill rate is 99%. 99% of the animals that come through there are euthanized.
1: What really struck me here is that you're talking essentially about saving the lives of dogs that could be on the verge of destruction, and then you're placing them with individuals in prison who also in their own way or in their own individual ways need to be saved. Yes?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And to talk about the prison, you know, when I talk about doing this, most people have a, a negative attitude about inmates. Well, they're, they're axe murderers or they're, you know, serial killers or whatever. And my perception was the same thing. But once I got into this program and really started working in there, working with the inmates for years and years and years, and some of them were the same inmate for years and years. And some of them are just, they were boys that were drinking and driving, or they got into a fight, or just one of the things that young boys do, and the bad luck of it was somebody got killed. And and they're just wonderful, nurturing men that, that take care of these dogs and bond with them and help them recover, like they are recovering as well. And the dogs help them. We've had many, many inmates that have said how this This program has changed their lives. We've had felons that are in there that will not transfer out of the prison because they want to stay in the program. Even though they can go to a lower security with more rights and freedom, they stay in this facility so that they can stay in the dog program, which amazed Mm -hmm. me. It really did.
1: Now, is Penter County, is that a maximum or a minimum
3: security prison? In North Carolina, you have minimum, medium, and maximum. Mm hmm so this is a medium security facility. There are inmates in there for life, and then some have transferred for maximum. This would be their next step down. But it's definitely the felons.
1: Well, now, How are the inmates selected for this, and how are they screened and trained for participation in the program?
3: Well, the inmates, in the beginning, I was involved in the selection of the, uh, all the inmates. Then we have the, um, they have to have a seventh-grade education, which some don't qualify for. Uh, they have to be in... They have no rape or animal abuse in their background, and they have to be in physically fit to handle the dogs, and they also must be infraction-free for six months to even be eligible mm-hmm. to become a dog trainer. Infraction-free is anything from just having a cigarette to be caught in the wrong place at the wrong time. So they really have to be straight on the line to get into this program in the beginning. It's a privilege... It's a privilege for these (laughs) inmates to be in this program, so they're selective. So in the beginning, I helped with selection. Now they just, if one of the inmates leaves the program, then they just select another secondary to get in the place. We have five primaries that are assigned to the five dogs, and this is the way that most prison programs work, that you're assigned a dog. And then we have two secondaries that, that are helping clean the kennels and helping if one of the inmates can't make it to class or take care of their dog or whatever. So there's seven inmates assigned to the five dogs.
1: And now do you have a competition for this? I mean, are there? do you have people who are waiting in the wings to be able to
3: participate? When a job becomes available, they post it like any other job within the prison. The inmates, mm-hmm. this is considered a job for them. And it's like the work uh, when they work on the roads and that type of stuff or gardening or cooking or whatever. This is one of the jobs. So they fill out an application. And if they qualify, then if a position comes open, they're interviewed by the personnel in the the prison. I do sit in on interviews in one prison because they request it. The other prison, they do it themselves. So it's kind of an individual Mm -hmm. thing. And then they just replace that one inmate.
1: All right. And now how are they then trained? for to train how are they trained to train and who who trains the trainers
3: yeah, well, that would be <laughs> me <laughs> That would be me. Too. what we do is uh, I go in and hold a class once a week in the beginning we went in twice a week and there was three four of us certified dog trainers that went in and worked with them now since we've got it going and you said the same inmate class after class after class some of these inmates have trained you know seven eight nine classes of dogs So they are very experienced, and they help the ones that come in new. So they kind of help the new guys, so they kind of train them, and then we just go in and oversee the class basically once a week to make sure that everything's going like it should. Mm -hmm. And I have volunteers that are apprentice trainers. They come in, they watch the classes, and then if I can't be there, they hold the class. But basically, which is a, a wonderful thing that happens over there, is the inmates start working together as a team. And you don't see that in too many things in a prison. They help each other. They share their supplies. They share their treats. If one of the dogs is sick, they share the the care of it. So they really learn skills of working as a group when they get out because some of them are in there because they couldn't work in society. So it's there's, there's a lot of skills for the inmates, too. Let's step
1: back just a, a little bit to, to the selection of the dogs and sort of what happens after they have been selected. It's my understanding they have uh, heartworm testing, they are spayed or neutered, they're microchipped, they receive vaccinations, and at that point, they're then cleared to enter the program, and then what happens? So what's the next step after that?
3: Okay, after we choose our dogs at the shelter, we actually draw blood at the shelter to test for heartworm because mm-hmm. we weren't able to put heartworm-positive dogs in that prison because of the outdoor kennels and the, and the regiment. You just couldn't treat a heartworm dog, so positive dogs, which there's a lot of here in North Carolina. So we take them to the vet after we've selected our five that are heartworm negative to go in that prison, we bring them to the vet and like you said, they they get their shots and all up to date, stay and neutered. They all get de fleaed and dewormed and all the stuff and they all have like skin abscesses and ear infections and uh, so we get all the medications and get them all cleaned up. And also interesting, at the vet they're evaluated for temperament too. We have an evaluation form to be sure that while they're handling them, bathing them, drawing blood doing their nails if these dogs don't show any type of aggression. So that's another screening process for the personality and the stability of our dog. Then they um, then they go into the prison and we assign those inmates to the particular dog. A, a dog that maybe is very very terrified or shy might go to a more experienced inmate that knows how to handle that. One that's a, a barker and a jumper and wild would go to a more experienced inmate. And then the new guy would get the you know the little quiet hound or whatever. So we assign Mm -hmm. the dogs to be Mm -hmm. sure that the, the roughest one gets with the best trainer.
1: Over those eight weeks, what do they learn?
3: We basically start with building trust. When you pull a dog from the shelter... Most of these dogs have been abused. They've been chained in the backyard. Uh, one we took out, the, some kind gentleman saved the dog. Kids were throwing sticks and stones and, and just stoning it to death, basically, and he brought it to the shelter. So these dogs have been just horribly abused and neglected. So the first thing we do is build trust. The inmates must just feed them by hand and just do nothing for the first week. Teach them their names, name recognition, get them used to a crate, and just let them bond. Let them just chill out, get used to their environment, and and just relax. Then we start a little formal training, luring the dog to a sit and then a down. Leash walking is a biggie. A lot of these dogs have never even seen a leash, much less walked on one. So we teach them how to walk nicely on a leash. We use special harnesses that steer the dog so there's no pulling on the neck, choking the collars, any of that type of stuff. They don't need that. And... Um, Just basic manners, just basic household manners, not to jump on people when they walk up, because people want a nice, well-behaved dog for a pet, and that's all we're trying to do, you know, just just get some of the kinks out of these dogs that have been for a year or two years (laughs) totally, totally neglected.
1: I think we should take a break at this point. And and when we return, I'd like to focus on graduation. Is there a ceremony when the canines complete the program? What happens after that? How the adoptive families are chosen? How they do? Also, one word that you just shared was bond and how difficult it might be for some of the inmates to and for the dogs to be separated from each other and perhaps we could uh, speak about that and some of the most memorable moments that you can recall through your years with the program so let's do that let's just take a break and you know would ask the folks who are listening to stay with us just sit and get comfortable and uh, we'll be right back after these messages
2: sit stay we'll be right back after a short pause
0: Headlight Radio has d a d- d- on Fur Flying f- f- Fantastic deals for our listeners Go to PetcoDeals.com and get $6 off your order of $60 or more and up to 40% off hundreds of items at Petco. PetcoDeals.com But but, that's not all. Are
2: you talking to me? Life Radio
0: Listener. Try Audible.com now and get your first 30 days of Audible Listener Gold Membership plan free. And get a free audiobook. Choose from over 100,000 titles. To get this great deal, go to AudibleDeals.com com. That's AudibleDeals.com. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. Go to DysonDeals.com. DysonDeals.com to order your Dyson Animal Vac.
3: For the inside scoop at working like dogs on petliferadio.com. Let's talk pets.
2: Let's talk pets on Pet Life Radio.
0: Pet Life Radio. PetLiferadio.com. PetLife
1: We're back and you're listening to Pet Life Radios on the Road with Mac and Molly. This is your host, Donna Haleson, and we're chatting today with Barb Rabb, founder and president of Monty's Home. So, Barb, as we said just before the break, it would be wonderful to hear what happens after graduation, at graduation, if there is a, a ceremony that marks the dog's successful completion of the program.
3: Yes, we have a graduation ceremony. Um, at the end of the eight-week training, what we do for a final exam, if you will, for the inmates, is an AKC sport called Rally. And what it is, you put a sign there, and the sign tells you to sit and uh, walk around your dog. Then the next sign might say, you know, spiral through some cones. And it's an AKC sport that's a lot of fun. So our, our final exam is for the inmates to work with their dogs through this, this run. And we get to the point, these dogs are trained so well, the inmates are off-leash doing this run and getting perfect Mm -hmm. scores. It just amazes me in eight weeks that they can do what Mm. most people can't do in eight months. So that final exam, we have that and we have their scores. So graduation, we actually have at the prison, we invite the families that have adopted these dogs to come to the graduation. The ceremony's small. We have a couple uh, officials, you know, talk a little bit and stuff. And then, and then we actually let the, um, we play pomp and circumstance, and the, the dogs wear caps and gowns, by the way. Um, so it's really <laughs> cute to see the dogs in their little, their little motor boards with the tassels hanging down in front of their eyes. <laughs> so anyway, um, the, the families go right up on the stage and shake the, the inmate's hand and take the leash the inmate that has trained their dog for eight weeks. It's really Mm. quite emotional, but the inmates, you can see the sense of satisfaction that they've taken this dog from skin and bones and horrible physical condition and no coats, some of them. A lot of dogs have the manes. And in eight weeks have transformed them into someone's family companion Mm. and to meet that family and share with them what they've done and show tricks. We let them teach tricks once they get to the basics. So the sense of pride and accomplishment that the inmates get from this interaction with where this dog is going, it's also a peace of mind to actually see that a family is going to take their dog and love them. Because if the dog doesn't Mm. happen to be adopted at graduation, every week it's, hey, has Fido got a home yet? Fido got a home yet? So you know that they truly bond Mm. with these Mm. canines.
1: Well, how then do they do in separating from these wonderful canines that they have been so close to for all of those weeks.
3: It's very difficult, especially for the first one. It it must be like your first love, you know. They hug the dogs. I don't even imagine what's going through their minds the night before because there aren't many good things in a prison. There aren't many happy things in a prison. And to have this for eight weeks and have this bond and then have to give it up. But the thing Mm -hmm. is they know two weeks there's going to be five more coming right in that need them just as badly. And so they they get that accomplishment all over again.
1: Now, how are you choosing the adoptive families?
3: Um, We have an adoption process. They have to fill out an application, which is online. It's just a basic application. And then we take all the dogs out of the prison, bring them to a local pet store. Then these families who are interested in the dogs come to meet them. We won't adopt a dog without them meeting them. I mean, there has to be that click, that bond. I'm not shipping a dog across the country that somebody's not even met. So they must come and meet our dogs before they can adopt them. If they meet one and if we think that that dog will suit their home, they'll go through a home check and then they can put a deposit. And that deposit holds that dog until graduation. None of the dogs can leave before they're graduated. A lot of the dogs, you know, if somebody comes in, they've got three, four kids, some dogs love children, and some dogs tolerate children. Well, we kind of know our dogs by that point. And as trainers and people who've worked with them, we kind of say, you know, this dog might be better for your home than that one. So we really kind of help them pick the best dog for them. And I think that's why our success rate is so high. We, You know, the, the physical looks of a dog is what people go to. Oh, I want that dog because he's black and fluffy. Well, the black and fluffy dog wouldn't be good in your home. So we really are careful about where we place our dogs. How many dogs have gone through the program and what is your placement rate? We're almost at a hundred dogs. I think our next goal is going to be 100. Every one of our graduates is in a home with a family. We have a hundred percent adoption rate of our graduates. They, um, and no and dropouts? All, no dropouts. <laughs> no dropouts <laughs> along the way? Well, we had one dog way back when. A lot of times a shelter dog will, once it gets confident, In its surroundings and people, sometimes you will see them become guarding of that person or thing. We had one dog that did that when he he was in the program, and we took him right out. We just didn't want to put a dog with that potential. And then doing some background anyway, it was it was one out of a hundred, so.
1: I believe you mentioned, to a dog that wasn't quite right for one home, but he ended up having a marvelous uh, end of the story.
3: Yes, yes, that was Dakota. We pulled him as about a year-old puppy, a year-old young dog, adolescent lab mix that was wide open. We trained him to the eight weeks and placed him in a home with a, a middle-aged couple with a 10-year-old child. Well, he was a little bit too rambunctious, and the child didn't really bond with him, so they decided that they want to give him back. If any of our dogs are not staying in their homes, they have to sign a contract that the dog is returned to us. He cannot be adopted or given to anyone. He has to come to us. So Dakota came back and we evaluated him and put him back in the program for another eight weeks. Then when he got done we adopted him out again and this time to a home with younger children that you know, we thought it would suit his personality. He was a busy boy. He had lots to do and lots of energy. Well, the three-year-old and the two-year-old lab were too much for the mother. So she says, you know, I just can't take care of these two. So, but I did. I said, you know, I'm not placing this dog again. He's got a special calling. He needs a job. So we, our partners, are affiliated with another organization in town that trains service dogs. And coincidentally, they train them through the prison system, the federal prison system. So I talked to the director of that and said about this special dog I had, and they took him in as one of their trainees after their evaluation. So he went to a federal prison in Virginia for training to become a service dog. And he excelled. He went right up through the, the stages, and he is now doing his public training right here in the Wilmington area and he will be paired with a handicapped or a disabled veteran or an autistic child, whatever whatever um, need there is, he will be paired to help a handicapped person, which is just a wonderful story for him after coming from a shelter. So it shows what great, great dogs are in our shelters here in North Carolina and all uh-huh. over the country. Right. right. And one amazing oh.
2: statistic
3: I'll throw out for mm-hmm. you, that only 14%, of the public acquire their pets from a shelter. Isn't
2: that amazing? Mm, 14% in this
3: country. That's why so many
1: of you know. Now, the dogs go immediately home with the new families after graduation?
3: Yes, yes. Um, They do. part of our adoption process, we want transition. This is why our success rate is so well, too, I think. The transition to be nice and smooth for the dog. The dog has come from a shelter cage. He's brought into a kennel with a crate. He sleeps in the crate every night. So when we adopt our dogs out, that crate that he's been in for eight weeks goes to that family. His toys go to that family. His training Mm -hmm. harness and everything goes with that family. We have a DVD that we give the family so that they can see what this equipment's for, how it's used, what his commands are, and all this basic stuff, how to walk him on the leash so that the training can continue at home. You know, eight weeks is only so long to train a dog. It's got to be maintained at home. So, yeah, they take their family right, their dogs right home from graduation. We follow up with them. We pester them constantly. We call them at one week and then at a month and three months, six months, and a year to make sure that they don't have any questions and that our dogs are doing good in their home.
1: What does it mean to you to lead this organization?
3: It is the most rewarding thing I've ever done in my life. I was in the medical field before I got into dog training. And when I moved down here, I worked, I was a radiology tech, ultrasound, x-ray. And it was helping people, yes. It was doing a service and, you know, it was, I could detect things that were wrong and help the doctors with diagnosis and all that stuff. But this is just amazing to see the transition of not only the dogs, which was my primary interest when I started this, is helping shelter dogs. It's seeing the transition of these inmates go from just their lives are done, their lives are ended, and and this is giving them a hope or light at the end of the tunnel. So both the dogs and the inmates are getting second chances with this program. And it, everybody's put here for a purpose. I think that's what uh, mm-hmm. i supposed to do, and I'm, I just love it.
1: Could you just maybe share a couple of the most memorable moments from over the years?
3: Oh, gosh, there's been so many. So I'm just going to recall the recent ones. We're bringing the new dogs in. And the inmates have to wait on a secured side of the gate while the band comes in with the new dogs, And they're all looking through the gates, and they're just so excited. They've actually told the officials that they don't sleep the night before because their dogs mm. are coming in mm. the next day. So what, they finally let them through to meet their dogs, and one of the volunteers said, Boy, this must seem like Christmas, waiting for Christmas. The inmate looks at him with a big grin, and he says, Yeah, he says, "and We get it four times a year. we bring in four dogs, and it's just, you know, it's these kids, and I call them kids because a lot of them are only in their 20s, and, you know, they just love, love their dogs in this program, you know, one of them, just this past week, he, he says, you know, he was so proud of his dog and what he did, and, you know, I know that this young boy is never going to see outside of those walls again, and yet, he can go in there with a smile and say, look, I got Fido to do this, watch him do this, and he's so It just breathes life into a a very dark place. Who wouldn't be, uh, you know, rewarded by that? There's prisons all over this country, you know, and there's 70 of them or 80 of them in North Carolina alone. There should be a dog program in every prison. It's good for the dogs. It's Mm -hmm. good for the... That'd be a wonderful goal for me if I could live long enough.
1: One thing you mentioned in an earlier conversation was your connection, Monty's home's connection, with Susie's Law and a new documentary that's being released called Susie's Hope. Could mm-hmm. you just share a little bit about that, please?
3: Yeah, this is, it's just a wonderful story about a woman in North Carolina that the family next door had a pit bull chained outside their house, and then they moved, and they left the dog. So she felt sorry for the dog, and this is very typical happening. She felt sorry for the dog, so she would put food and water over for the dog. Well, one time she turned her back and the dog attacked her. A vicious attack and put her in the hospital and she almost died. That was a woman named Donna. Uh, While she was recovering, there was a pit bull, pit bull shepherd puppy, that this man beat and broke his jaw and kicked teeth out, then put lighter fluid on him and started it on fire. The dog, he burnt 60% of the dog's skin and the ears burnt right off and left it to die. It spent, I think, like 10 days in the park before somebody found it. Well, during the, this woman heard about the dog and adopted that dog, and the two of them together healed from their attacks. One from a human, the dog from a human, and the human from a dog. The person who did the attack on the on the puppy was sentenced to like a few months of probation that's all he got for this horrible thing and so the woman was outraged and started protesting and setting up legislation to change the laws in North Carolina which she did it changed the laws to a class H felony I think it is so anyway it's mandatory jail time and it's a felony for animal abuse in this in North Carolina now Governor Perdue signed the bill, and Susie, the dog, her paw print is on that bill, the original. <laughs> so they, yeah, it's a, quite a story. It's very, very touching. There's a lot of details that I, you know, leave out. But they made a movie about her life and this event and what she went through and, and all that. The movie is being screened here in North Carolina, and Monty um, Home was chosen as one of the charities to participate. So that was very thrilling for us, and I'm very anxious to meet Susie and Donna at that event in May. Wonderful. Well, we're nearing the time
1: when we will need to uh, close out, and I I have just a couple of other questions. I wonder about volunteer opportunities with your organization, and if you might have any advice for those who might be listening who would like to begin an organization like yours in their own area?
3: Mm -hmm. Well, we are all volunteer. Monty's Home is 100% volunteer and 100% supported by donations and fundraising. So anyone who wants to help out, there's donations on our website, montyshome.org. You can get involved in your own community. It doesn't have to be ours. Get out there and volunteer and help these organizations all need volunteers. To start a prison program, get a dog trainer who's sympathetic and a humane society to get some dogs and a veterinarian to help you out, and the prisons are wide open for this. They see the success of it. They want these programs. And it's just getting the right people dedicated to come and help you out, and, and it's very, very worthwhile
1: it's been wonderful to hear about how your dear Monty and the relationship you had with him has led over this period of time to incredible transition in your own life and in the lives of of these dogs and the volunteers and, and in the prisoners who are given the privilege and given the opportunity to bring this transformation into the dogs' lives. I, I thank you very much, Barb, for being with us. And uh, thank you for the marvelous work you do through Monty's home.
3: Well, thank you so much Donna and um... Hopefully, some people who are listening will get up and get out there and help us.
1: <laughs> I hope that's actually the case. And yeah. uh, as we close out today, I would just uh, let folks know that more information and photographs on the uh, Positive Partners Program are found on Pet Life Radio's "On the Road with Mac and Molly" blog page. If you have any comments or questions related to this episode, I'd invite you to email me at the address that you'll find there. And as always, I hope you'll be with us next time. As we head out, on the road, with Mac and Molly.
0: Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.